Bill one. So we uh, we're going to start our section on self-control today. And uh, so if you had a chance to do the questions, that would be good. And then uh, so we'll start by doing some definitions. So um, from the Holman uh, Bible Dictionary, um, the parts I underlined were uh, sober, temperate, calm, and dispassionate approach to life, having mastered personal desires and passions. There's that one seems a little bit there's a little bit odd because I don't necessarily think that self-control is dispassionate. No, because to me that means without passion. Yeah, just just you're just kind of there. Block. Yeah. And self-control is not that. It's no. it's it's a, a very very much of an action. Yes, yeah. So I wasn't as happy with that, but I think when you look at the words, at least having masters personal mastered personal mm -hmm. desires and passions, I, I like think the rest that of makes them. a little yeah. more sense. You know, I took that deal, the dispassionate. I took that to mean that if you weren't consumed with passion, you'd be easier to control. Yeah, have control over. I, I definitely well, agree with that. Decisions and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of the non, uh, yeah. not being driven by emotion, but having emotion. Yeah, yeah, not being controlled by it. Um, so um, it doesn't call for a withdrawal from life and its temptation, but it does call for self-discipline. Um, and following Christ's example. So we have to be in the world, but not of the world. So that's that's a pretty good definition. Uh, the next one comes from vines. I kind of like vines as usually. So mine shows us that from a noun, adjective, and verb, this, this kritia is shown in all three of these. And then we have a this nephalios, and then the sophron. These are all words meaning self-control. Um, the right use the right use demands the controlling power of the will under the operation of the Spirit of God. So that kind of brings our conscience in along with the uh, being able to control our will. In Acts 24-25, that's when he's talking to Festus, or Felix. Um, the word follows righteousness, and so God, God is what righteousness is all about. Self-control is man's response. And then in Second Peter, we'll look at that verse also. It follows knowledge, suggesting that it, it needs to be learned. As an adjective, exercising self-control in temperate. Uh, temperate, also in this translation, uh, also meaning sober or sober-minded. And then as a verb, um, <clears throat> temperate again. So, um, and then the final definition here comes from the Erdman's Dictionary. Um, and this has various passages, but, but here he brings in uh, sexual self-control, a lack of self-control, self-deprivation. Right? That's, that's a pretty good definition. The capacity to resist sin, having a sound mind. So that sound mind and soberness is also translated as self-control. This emphasizes the operation of the mind. And there's some words here that, that are very good. Sane, serious, sensible, and judicious. Those are all bringing the idea of self-control. <clears throat> so before we go on into the next section, I want to go through some examples in the next section of some people. But before that, I thought we might just have a little discussion about self-control. So 
you find the idea of self-control difficult to understand. Is it like, is it like the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit kind of difficult to understand, or is it more like partake of the Lord's Supper, pretty straightforward? Pretty straightforward. I not think it's straightforward. Not always easy to get a handle on. So it. usually our problem with self-control isn't understanding it. It's it's all the things that go with it. Pretty straightforward idea, right? Just control yourself. And so the implementation of that is very, very difficult. Uh, how about some areas that we need self-control? Some life areas that self-control comes in pretty handy with. Temper. 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 So how we deal with one another. Uh, like James said, control our tongue. Our tongue. So that's kind of the... If we're not controlling our temper, sometimes it shows up on our tongue. Mm -hmm. What are some other areas? Self-control when it comes to anger. Anger. You know, mm -hmm. anger's, I don't want to say okay, but when it gets to one point, it's not acceptable anymore. Right. Anger, so. it, a controlled anger is different than an uncontrolled anger. Yeah. Uh, what other areas? Physical. It could be everything from, you know, indulgence, you know, okay. to sexual, to... You know, you name it. And we're going to look at all, a lot of that. Um, how about financial? That's an important one, right? Um, so I think the word temperate or moderate is real good. Mm -hmm. Just be, be moderate in everything you do. Yeah, so not to one extreme yeah, or the don't other. Don't overeat. Don't over-exercise to, right. to your body is, is yep. screaming don't, at don't you. Don't eat. Yeah, just Bulimia be versus overeating. Mm -hmm. um, so what are some reasons why self-control might be so difficult then? If it's pretty easy to understand and we kind of get the areas where we can be helped by it, why is it so difficult? Because we have preconceived ideas. Okay, sometimes it's about knowledge, sometimes it's about... The lack um, we of already kind of, huh? <laughs> the lack of knowledge. Is lack of knowledge, sometimes we think we know what we're doing and we don't. Sometimes we charge ahead thinking we know where we're going and we don't. Sometimes we don't have confidence about where we're going. And we get out there a little bit far and things don't seem to be going the way we thought and we, we turn. And sometimes that turning is just a lack of self-control. So controlling our desires. Desires are... Typically we want to succumb to our own desires and do go our own way, whatever that is. And desires and will are kind of the similar, right? They're not exactly the same, but they're very, very similar. So trying to um, trying to control our will as a natural will, is our will naturally aligned with God's will? No. And so if we aren't trying to be Christians, sometimes self-control is a little easier, isn't it? Because we just kind of can do whatever we want. Sometimes we can even make up the rules. But all of a sudden when you have a standard that you've got to follow, now self-control gets to be a little more difficult. And a lot of times it depends on who you're with or other people. Sometimes you can be around one person and it's easy to exercise self-control and the next person maybe you just want to slap them upside the head. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> and so um, some of that might even be peer pressure or just behaviors of other people. So their, their behavior is is not something that you yeah, it, want to tolerate. It, it might be one of those areas where you don't do so well at tolerating certain kinds of behavior and uh -huh. they just, they just yeah. tend to be right there in that place where uh -huh. it's difficult. That word tolerate is a 
lot better. Tolerate? Word. A lot better than the word I was thinking of. Yeah. So, um, let's say you have a bunch of successes with your self-control and then you fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. How does that affect you from a self-control viewpoint? Can be self-defeating. You feel like you've completely failed, right? And sometimes it, you know, one failure erases ten successes, and you kind of feel like you start over again. And so sometimes that makes self-control a bit hard to deal with because we think we think we've just completely failed. Where mm -hmm. you know one failure out of ten good behaviors isn't really that bad, but many times we, we forget we take the that. good ones and dwell we're, on the bad ones. We're, we're very good at dwelling on yeah, negative things, right? Not a good we fail ourselves and we also fail God. Yes. And uh, so are lapses in self-control always due to negative attitudes or negative or nefarious reasons? Sometimes we think they are, but not always. Let's say you, you don't have much money, but you know someone that needs food, so you go steal food to give it to them. Is that a negative reason? Mm -hmm. Not really. Your attitude is right. Your your way of going about it is completely wrong. Uh, what if somebody has been somebody got beat up by somebody else, so you go beat that person up on their behalf? Well, you're trying to do a good thing, right? You're trying to stand up for someone, but you do it by doing a bad thing. And so <laughs> the outcome sometimes. So I'll put that in the category of sometimes we think that we need to be executing justice and many times we can't, we fail at doing that. And so taking that justice role upon ourselves sometimes will cause us to have self-control issues. Many times, I mean, what does the Bible say about executing justice? That's God's to do. Um, I think uh, I think it was mentioned about our, our physical pleasure centers tend to really take us down a lot of times, and it's not you know many times it's more obvious in the sexual areas, but uh, some people are kind of thrill seekers, and they get a rush every time they yeah. seek that uh, some sort of a thrill. Sometimes we get those same rushes by doing certain things. Sometimes, you know, just doing something that's kind of out on the edge, we get a little rush from that. That's a, that, that kind of convinces us to do things we shouldn't do because we want that self, uh, we want to have that, um, that rush of endorphins to, and it's kind of a negative feedback for us because it's, it's actually positive feedback, but we don't want that. We want to stop doing those things. So, Many times our own pleasures drive us to do things we shouldn't do. Um, so if you step way back and look at uh, mankind, why does mankind need self-control? Because we're free moral agents. We're free moral agents. That's the bottom line. So you could say, well, it would be better if we didn't need self-control, but what that really means is then God wouldn't give us a choice. And that's not what we want either. So God gave us a choice, and with that choice comes certain responsibilities and certain behaviors, one of those being self-control. And so it's a, it's a byproduct of that, and we just have to accept that as part of the free choice that we get with every choice we get to make. There may be conflicts, and there may be uh, 
temptations and there may be self-control issues. Any other thoughts on any of the things we just talked about? I think that kind of gives us a, a view of self-control, why is it important? Is self-control a minor thing for a Christian? No. It's, it's almost totally pervasive, right? It's self-consuming. It's, it's in everything. You, you almost can't turn around without that topic coming up. So if you're really bad at self-control, you're going to have lots of trouble. <clears throat> and so it's an area we really need to start to master. What's so difficult about mastering self-control? You can't just go to the Bible, read 25 scriptures and say, yep, I got it now. It helps, but where do we really get self-control? Practice. Practice. Experience. Experience. Sometimes I want that other cookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what happens when you eat just one? Uh, well, I can't do that. Then you eat two, right? And then you eat four. And before you're, the only way you stop is when you run out. That's not good. How did you know that? <laughs> I think I was sitting next to you eating. <clears throat> okay. So I'm going to look at a couple examples of self-control from the Bible. Look at a couple examples where there wasn't any self-control. So let's look at Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. <clears throat> so in Genesis 39, I'll read this, verses 7 through 12. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and he said, lie with me. Now this is um, Potiphar's wife, uh, who's Joseph is uh, the number one guy in, the, in Potiphar's house, and she wants him. She says, lie with me. But he refused, and he said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There was no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he, would, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household were inside, was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and he fled, and he went outside. So with Joseph here, we see good self-control. What do we see with her? We could debate this a little bit. She doesn't have self-control, but there's also there's something else that could be going on here, and we're not sure. Um, should she want to lie with Joseph? No. This is not an acceptable behavior. Mm -hmm. They were still under the old law. Well, no, they weren't in Egypt. Correct. They? Yeah, that's... So she has a different set of values, right? They did, yeah. But... Almost in every country and every place, uh, cheating on your husband is not, not acceptable. And it was clear to Joseph that that wasn't acceptable, right? Because he said, mm -hmm. he's withheld nothing from me but you. So it's clear that his belief is that she's been withheld from mm -hmm. him. And so he believes that that um, he's got to exercise some amount of self-control mm -hmm. uh, against her. And he's doing a good job of that. And she's coming at him day after day after day. So he's, he's doing pretty well. Now, she's either having a lack of self-control with him, or she's just deciding she doesn't care. And that can happen. Mm -hmm. And it may not be a lack of self-control. She may, if she decided that she, sh she shouldn't be with him, she 
might be able to withstand that, but she might just be deciding, okay, I don't, I don't really care. She wanted what she wanted. Right. Right then. And, and, and so she might be exercising self-control in that she's going to go get what she wants. Yeah, well, maybe so. So I don't know. It could be either way. Sometimes, and that just illustrates the, the point of sometimes when we do something we shouldn't do, it's not because we have a lack of self-control. It may be because we're making a bad decision. We have the wrong values, or we just don't care. Mm -hmm. And she might be in one of those places, but but I, you know, as a minimum, she may she's she may have a self-control issue. Joseph doesn't. Joseph is doing very very well. Now, what happens if he gets caught with her? He probably get killed. He'll probably probably die. Mm -hmm. What's the result of him? holding out and, and running away from her. Prison. He gets thrown in prison, so it seems like a negative right offhand, right? But what's the, really the end result of him uh, showing his self-control? He ends up second in charge in Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. He ends up saving the entire nation of Israel from the famine when they come down. And so um, his self-control saves a nation. He doesn't know that. And if he knew that, it would have been easier for him to control himself, but he didn't need that. He was going to do it anyway. So he had a good character and he was going to exercise uh, self-control. And the outcome of that was very, very good. It was the salvation of a group of people. You have to wonder, his statement in verse 9 about sin against God. Yeah, that's always strikes me. I mean, was he so understanding of, of, of God as power, his subservient to God, that he knew that he didn't have a choice. He just had to keep mm -hmm. saying no. Um, and it, and it wasn't, and he had a lot of respect for Potiphar. Yeah. And he could have said, I don't want to sin against Potiphar. But he said, I don't want to sin against God. Mm -hmm. And so he was kind of looking past Potiphar and seeing God standing behind him and saying, I'm, I don't want to go there. I don't want to sin against God. And so that's a good motivation, and in some ways, if you could kind of, in your own mind, picture Christ being there watching you, which He is, sometimes we wouldn't do some of the things that we do, and sometimes it would help us with our self-control. And certainly, Joseph has that mental picture because he says he doesn't want to sin against God. <clears throat> okay, Jesus. So we look in Isaiah 53, verse 7. There it says He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that has led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. And then we go to Mark 14.61, and we see the, the fulfillment of that. But he kept silent and did not answer, and the high priest was questioning him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? So, was Jesus exercising self-control? Absolutely. What was he trying to control that might have taken him over? If you put yourself in his situation and you're sitting there being afflicted and persecuted and hurt, anger, frustration, just I mean, there's every emotion possible other than Unfairness. joy and happiness, but he probably actually had a little bit of that in because he knew that he was doing his father's will. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, I, I think he <laughs> was trying not to launch a defense for himself because yes. he wasn't there to defend himself. He was there, he, he had tasks to do. Mm -hmm. and that was to do what God had brought, sent him to earth to do. Um, 
and, and he knew, just like with Joseph, he knew the outcome, which was going to be the salvation of the people. He knew the same outcome was coming, and he knew that if he would just be able to control himself through this, that he would be able to save an entire people, and he would be able to set an example for them. And so, he might have been feeling frustration, uh, anger, um, fear. He fear. knew what was coming. You know, if it was me, I might have been. You might have been thinking, okay. I'm the Son of God. I'm God Himself. You can't do this to me. I mean, there's some pride involved. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, he had a lot of things to control, but he did because he knew the outcome. Yes. And you know what's funny is, is when, when we as people get backed in a corner, if we know something about somebody, we're like, well, you did this the other day. The Lord knew every dirty secret of every sin of every person that was... Yeah. He was around him. that right out there. And and he could have said, well, you're sleeping with his wife and you stole from your friend over here whenever you did that deal. And, you know, I mean, right. you know, human nature would have been, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's well, I'm dying for all these sins that you guys have committed. Let me tell you about something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's make, the, let's make <laughs> it even. Well, At least make it clear yep. that you're no saint either. And uh, let's just expose you. But he didn't. He just kept silent. Think that was hard? I think it was hard. It would have been hard for us. Um, that's a that's a tough situation. So that's kind of an example of self-control. That's uh, when we talked about anger earlier and, and uh, our use of our tongue and, and all those things. And, you know, that would have boiled over for many of us. So um, it's a it's a good example, and it sets a good uh, baseline for us as to what we should be doing. Okay, let's look at a couple examples of the lack of self-control. So David, anybody venture a guess as to what that passage is about? The lack of self-control, that was the Bathsheba. So, it happened in the spring at the time when the kings go out to battle. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now when evening came, David arose from his bed, walked around the, on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. So what do we see in this picture? That second scene. Yeah. I mean, you it, it made it a second, second, second time. I'll thank you. I'll fix yeah. that. So, what do we see in this one? No self control. No self control. I want it. I'm gonna get it. And he didn't seem to even think twice. No. He inquired. No, he just said, "Go, go bring her over here." And, so, and she didn't have any choice, really, because if the king commanded, what can you do? Yeah. Now, if he saw, yeah, and that wasn't anything that he was going to control. He as he's looking, he saw. Mm -hmm. What was the first mistake he made? He didn't look away. He didn't look away. Mm -hmm. And he began to ask questions about it. He began to inquire. Mm -hmm. Well, as soon as you start inquiring, you're already, it's like the New Testament says, sin's at your door. It's waiting for you. It's going to get you. Now, he might have been thinking, well, this is just one small indiscretion. No one will ever know. And it was a one-time thing, right? Uh, Seemed to be. A lot of ripples. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about. What are the ripples from this? 
Well, the child died. The child died. And who? He had her husband. Uriah was killed. Was he a valiant man? Yes. He was one of David's trusted men, wasn't he? One of the thirty. And he was he was just nasty to that to yeah. Uriah. I mean, he put him on the front line and pulled back and let her, let him just kill him. And so if the husband dies, the baby dies. That it? His kingdom suffers nope. turmoil from there on. His whole house was divided. Yep. Uh -huh. He was going to have turmoil from there on out. Uh -huh. um, split the family. Um, and he even split the kingdom. He didn't mm -hmm. split it in terms of uh, Israel and Judah. But and the commander of his army knew what he had done. It had to affect him, sure. you know, to allow this innocent man to be killed. And his reputation was ruined. Uh, yeah. Uh -huh. There were a lot because of things. Because he didn't protect his men. A lot of ripples. Mm -hmm. And then there was Absalom later. Yeah. And all of that mess. Mm -hmm. um, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible situation. And it affected Israel throughout its history. So, you know, there's these are such positive examples. This is almost as negative as those are positive in the consequences that came from those. And I'm sure in the moment of who was that lady, never crossed his mind that all of that stuff mm -hmm. was going to happen. No. And so one small discretion turned into a lifetime of, and actually many lifetimes of difficulties. He wasn't where he was supposed to be because it says a few scriptures verses above the king were out to war. Yep. So he wasn't supposed to be home. He was supposed to be out of war with all the other kings. And what was his what was his real problem? He had too much time on his hands. Mm -hmm. He was idle. Mm -hmm. He's used to being out there now. They probably told him he couldn't go out because they don't want their king out on the front lines to be killed. But get busy doing something. He was out meandering. It sounded like maybe he couldn't sleep. He's out wandering on the roof. Mm -hmm. Got himself in trouble. Could have stopped that at any time, but, yeah. but it kind of started even before that with and like he had too much said, time on his hands. Like Jason said, he could have gone back into the house mm -hmm. and uh, forgotten the whole thing. But I mean, he, a king he, over a kingdom with, yeah. with uh, all of his army uh -huh. out to battle, he certainly had better things to do mm -hmm. than to pursue that. So... Um, very bad situation. Now, let's look at Paul. <clears throat> I don't want to read all this because it's very long, but this is the passage where Paul laments all of the, I'd like to do this, but I'm not doing it. So I'm going to pick it up in about verse 16. But if, the very, but if I do the very thing I don't want to do, I agree with the law, confessing the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for the willingness present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. Then I find the principle that evil is present within me, the one who wants to do good. So what's he trying to tell us there? There's always going to be a war. There's a war going on, isn't there? And where is the war being waged? Inside. And the battle is between himself and himself. His desires, in this case he says, my flesh. And that may be, you know, even more generalized, maybe those things of the world. Um, and then the things that are spiritual. There's a battle going on. So... 
what do we call so we need strength to win that battle and so what's the name of that strength self-control self-control so he wants to do better but he doesn't do it he finds he finds that um, nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh the willing is present but the doing is not good so I want to do the right thing but I'm not doing it so the, the fact that he wants to do the right thing says that this is not an issue of desire or of knowledge but the fact that he doesn't do it says it's a lack of execution it's a lack of action it's a lack of self-control and so when this battle is going on in, in the middle or inward of us we need to have self-control to win that battle so this is a pretty important um, concept here um, about self-control that when's this battle going on always it never ends and so we we've got to and this month here might be the reason why self-control is so hard because this is just continuously going on in us and we're continually fighting against doing those things we don't want to do and, and it doesn't do get easy no matter how old you get you know i'm i've I'm, I'm right. almost 90, and I still, there are things that I want to do, mm -hmm. and I want to do them now, mm -hmm. but it's expedient to wait a while. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's always there. The it's devil always there. is always working on us. What he, says to, what he says about himself, about the sin that dwells within him, it's not exclusive to him. No, mm -hmm. and it's not an excuse either. It's not an excuse. We you can't just say, well, you know, sin dwells in me and I can't do anything about it, so, you know, it happens. Well, no. No. It doesn't. I think we need to realize that and work even harder at self-control and things like this. Mm -hmm. and, and knowledge is very important because without the knowledge, that battle doesn't really happen. You just lose the battle before it ever starts, right? You're, you're in bad shape right from the beginning. But once your conscience is properly trained, then you have that battle begins, and you are now fighting against it. Um, so does this battle, does this only happen after we've made a decision, or does it happen sometimes as part of the decision? Both, yeah. Sometimes the decision, we look at all the options, and we say, well, I know I should do this, but... I really want to do this, so I'm going to. So you've lost your self-control there, and sometimes it's actually after you've made the choice and you can't stick with it anymore because you're, you just can't exercise enough self-control. So what is self-control? These are some uh, just random thoughts. We're going to talk about a lot of this as we go through, but these are some things just to get you thinking about it. So. Self-control is a fundamental and critical skill for a Christian. Physical and emotional self-mastery. So we're trying to master our own physical and our own emotional. So those are kind of the two sides of us, and we're trying to get control of those and make them do what we want them to. And that's particularly in situations of intense provocation or temptation, because that's really when we get stressed. That's really when we show our true self is when we're under pressure also translated as prudent, sensible, temperate, sober, disciplined, and wise. So we subordinate our impulses to our values and bring them under our control. That kind of goes along with this. One of the things, if, if we don't have any willpower, then we're really turning to be nothing more than the animals, because that's the way they are. Restraining impulses and resisting temptation is central to civilization. 
So people will say the whole civilization relies on this. Well, it does on this. Civilization relies on people having self-control. So if we have no self-control, then society means nothing. Social values mean nothing. Uh, life means nothing. And so self-control is, is central to civilization. Um, self-control, wisdom, patience are linked. We'll look at those in the Proverbs. Uh, self-control takes self-denial, self-sacrificing, and many other skills. And we're going to look in detail about um, these self-denial, self-sacrificing kinds of ideas. So making wrong choices is not always a lack of self-control. We've talked about that a little bit. We're going to talk about it a little bit more um, uh, probably in our next class. Uh, probably ought to stop there. Got a couple more lists of how do we get it and what is the result of not having it. And we'll go through those um, at the next class. So we'll review these and we'll hit those on the next class. But um, I think we're setting kind of the stage here. We're going to do a lot of introductory stuff here on self-control. And then we're going to get down into the ideas of what causes it, what, what hinders us from having self-control. Um, how do we gain it? What are some things we can do? What are some activities? And uh, so we're going to spend a, a bit of time on this topic. So we'll stop right there. Oh, you reached time.